It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Indeed, you are a great God. For some of us, that's a sacrifice to say, oh God. Because some of us are looking at our circumstances. We're in the middle of being in our hospital beds and in sick bodies, Lord. For some of us to say that you're a great God, it's a sacrifice, Lord. Some of us who are wondering where their next meal is coming from. They don't have a roof over their heads, but they're offering a sacrifice to you, oh God, that you are a great God. You are mighty, you are king, you are sovereign for someone today, God. That is the new song unto you. So we give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory today because you are a great God. Is that anybody else's declaration? You are a great God. You're not a good God. You're not a sometimey God. You are a great God. You are the great I am. Hallelujah. How great you are, oh God. Um. I was really um, excited to be able to um, be in the sanctuary today. Uh, I had been going through some really kind of like funny things preparing this sermon. Um, And we just don't ever know the kinds of things that people wrestle with day to day, week to week. And my sister Mache walked in And I said, ooh, girl, you look like you ready for church. She did have on some good shoes. And I said, ooh, girl, your shoes. And then that made me think of Miss Florine and how uh, she used to say when I would come into service, she would say, ooh, girl, you always have such nice shoes. And I would say, thank you, Miss Florine. And that made me think of the moments of encouragement that um, her daughter, uh, uh, Veronica, would come in and she would just, she would hold my hand and at the drop of a hat, she would begin to pray for me. And I don't know what it is, but let me not say that. It was the Holy Spirit that would speak to her and would convey the heaviness of my heart. And I would just be like, mm, thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit that you've given to your people, the way that we fit together, the way that we hold each other up, the way that we bear one another's burdens. Um, I've been very blessed by this um, sermon series, This Is Us. 
And the purpose of it was to be able to share with the people of God and anybody who would listen what the purpose of the church truly is. We've had a lot of people, a lot of noise want to tell us our job as Christians. Uh, We have been labeled as uh, 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 all kinds of things, one of them being uh, bigots or maybe even idiots or uh, uh, people who believe in fairy tales. Uh, But I wanted so badly for the people of God and anyone who would listen to know what it is that the Bible says our purpose and responsibility is. And I'm so grateful because um, Richard Martin came up first and um, he let us know that we give generously. That's who we are. This is us. We give generously, right? We give sacrificially. That's who we are, right? For so many reasons, one of them being that we make sure, as the Bible says, that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. So that people have what we need, we give sacrificially. And I love that he said, uh, when God calls us to give sacrificially, he will not cause your giving to harm you. I was like, "Mm." that was the thing I needed to hear. Like, I was like, okay, I could do that. Right. And then um, the next week, Ms. Shea Johnson came and she said, uh, this is us. Essentially, she said, we do our part, right? We learn about what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. And we do that work. We do that work for us. We do that for the kingdom. We do that for each other. We do our part in the heavy lifting of the spiritual stuff. And we talk to God. We listen to God and find out what our spiritual gifts are. And then we use them for the body of Christ. Amen. And I was like, I was having this similar conversation with myself every time I get up to preach. And I'm like, all right, Asia, the heavy hitters was up there, you know. What you going to say? You know, and I mean, you know, there's some pressures. I'm not going to lie. There's some pressures. Saints, pray for me. And I'm like, you know, where you fit. Get in where you fit in, sis. What you going to do? Right? So. Uh, And I was thinking, I so badly want to tell our teen ministers about who the church is, who they are, right? What are their responsibilities as spirit-filled, giving, teaching, preaching, praying, joy-filled, Jesus-loving people of God that sometimes stumble, right? What do I tell uh, what scripture calls our examples to every believer? What do I tell them about who the church is? Uh, And I'm grateful to say that they are exploring their gifts, just like Ms. Shea was talking about last week. Last month, we got to do summer service in the city. So Young Leaders Life and the teens of Citadel of Faith got together and did an outdoor evangelism event, right? So last month, yes, that's the moment for praise. Hallelujah. We've got teen servants, teen ministers, right? They are being built up in the word and being encouraged. And not just me, but the body of Christ is encouraging them, right? And last month, we got to see Lindsay do some chalk art, which I thought was a great um, segue into maybe some encouragement gifts. I totally see that in her. And uh, Layla did some collage art, which definitely could be encouragement, but I see leadership in her. 
And this month's service in the city, Adam is going to be greeting folks. And that's really just an extension of his mercy gifts, I believe. And Kira is going to be doing some small group teaching, which I think is an extension of maybe some budding teaching gifts. And Elle is going to be doing what she calls a speech. But it's a sermon. Maybe some preaching gifts there. Certainly, she's the youngest, my, my, my youngest, L. She certainly preaches enough to her older brother and sister. Okay, um, it's not always holy words. It's not about that. It's usually, you know you need to pick up. Justice is going to be doing some poetry, which I think definitely is an extension of her teaching gifts, right? And I'm grateful that you'll be able to see them do all of that next Saturday at 6 p.m. just outside of 1419 West Warren for our last summer service in the city. Uh, so I hope that you will join them. But while they learn about their individual gifts, I wanted so badly for them to learn about their responsibility truly to serve people. And so I have decided that today I will share with you that this is us. We bear one another's burdens. Uh, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 5. And if you would, if it is safe for you to do, would you please stand for the reading of the word of God? This is just one way that we can show reverence or respect for the word of God. It is not the only way and everybody doesn't choose to do that, but this is just something that I like to do and like to do that in community as a way to reverence God. Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 5. Galatians 6 verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read the New King James Version. However, I used to be a part of a church where the pastor would say all other versions read similarly. Amen. Whatever Bible you're reading, you're reading the truth. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your word hit hard. Let it grow roots in our hearts and our minds, truly to know the service, our responsibility to one another, to bear each other's burdens, to hold each other up in scary and confusing times of being overwhelmed with the devil's work of sin. Let it be so, Lord, that we would be ready and equipped to leave this place and uh, get off of this broadcast ready and willing to do your will. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. Stay a while, as my great-grandma would say. Amen. How often do we consider our response to each other 
as our Christian duty or our job. Like, I feel like we know that um, we ought to love each other, right? Um, We know we ought to serve each other. Um, We ought to give to one another. But do we ever consider that we are to bear one another's burdens? Not observe one another's burdens. Not to talk about one another's burdens. Not to judge one another's burdens, but to bear one another's burdens. Let me break that down a bit. Bear or carry, meaning in its original meaning, something close to lift. One another meaning not just your own, amen. Uh, Burden meaning a load, weight, abundance, or even authority. That's another talk for another day, amen. But maybe you're cooler than me, because when I heard that scripture, my first thought was, I got my own burdens, huh? Yeah, how am I supposed to bear yours? I am often buried by my own stuff. How do I even begin to lift yours? Lord, the way my struggle bus is set up, you gonna ask me, to bear somebody else's burden. I believe that he knows. He knew when he asked us, and he made provision for it. Verse 1 says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. This word trespass, many of us have seen before. It's part of a popular uh, uh, prayer, right? Uh, Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, right? So that word trespass means lapse or slip or falling away. It means sin. Have you ever been overtaken by something? Um, Overtaken by people's attitudes at work. Um, Family drama ever overtake somebody. Um, Maybe losing someone, a husband or a wife. Um, Maybe sometimes not even you know, as a cause of death, but still losing a husband or a wife. Um, Maybe um, even a family pet, right? Overtaken as in, wrapped up in, engulfed by, consumed by. Do you remember when you were consumed by sin? Some of us were so deep in it, we didn't even know that we were in the belly of it. We don't often talk about sin, but 1 John 3, 8 says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. The whole reason the son came was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason Jesus became a man was to destroy sin. Sin was so devastating that God had to come down himself, sacrifice himself so that it did not destroy us. That is what can overtake us. We forget that part of our story after a while with Jesus. And I think that some of us inadvertently become a little judgy, amen? 
Uh, a lot of this is going to be a conversation about judgy Christians. So if you've never been one and you've never come across one, you're probably lying. And that's a whole other sermon you need. Amen. Uh, I find that we become, some of us at some point, a little uh, judgy, right? And grow, as we grow in our uh, knowledge of Christ just a little bit. Um, and I don't think that we mean to, but as the years grow uh, on and they uh, go by, I find that as Bible plans get checked off and that drawer of teas with Jesus quotes gets full, um, we start to say things like, yeah, but I don't do that, though. I mean, that's some hardcore stuff they doing, though, right? We start looking at others as they slip or as they lapse or even worse, as they begin to fall away. Do we even understand the magnitude of the falling away? That's to break away or even to renounce your faith. That is to release your trust in God, believe that he has abandoned you. Have you ever walked across the street with a little one who's holding something in their hand? You're in the, the crosswalk and you're obeying the signs, right? Because maybe if it wasn't you, you'd probably just go, right? It's not a thing. But you have this baby's hand, right? And they're walking across the street and then they drop their toy and then they pull away from your hand. <gasps> Oh, if you have never felt, you, and I mean like you could be the hardest of hard-hearted. The moment that little hand breaks away, your heart just stops because you know the danger in that. You know what could happen for them when their hand is not in your hand. That's what it means to break away, to release the hand of God's knowing protection on you. This is why we bear one another's burdens, because when we don't, it leads to the destruction of the body and the soul. If we truly understood what it was like to be tangled up in sin, it might cause us to have a little more compassion for those of us who are in the thick of it. Amen. The verse goes on to say, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, that is, you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit, are to restore such a person. How? In a spirit of gentleness. It has now been revealed to us how we are to bear one another's burdens with a spirit of gentleness says you who are spiritual, you who are willing to pray, you who are taking scripture to heart and applying it to your everyday life, you who are taking the time to sit and listen today in your living room or in your kitchen or in the break room or at the side of your bed while you listen to this, you, you who hear the Holy Spirit's correction of your own issues and repents, you have responsibility to restore your brother or sister who has been grappling, fighting with sin. John 8 says that sin enslaves us. You have a responsibility to bring them back 
end. You know how we often talk about uh, how folks backslide, right? Well, if they backslide, if they turn their back on what they know of God, whose responsibility is it to help them slide back? Yours? Mine? That means your job is to help cultivate the reform of your brother or sister in Christ. I want to say it again. That means your job is to help cultivate the reform of your brother or sister in Christ. And I love how he got specific. Lord, how do I help to reform a brother or sister that is practicing in sin? What are the steps that I take? How do I even approach the conversation? He says, with a spirit of gentleness. This is an act of the spirit. This cannot be done without prayer. And I'm just talking about the part that's yours. I'm not even talking about the folks that are in the middle of being engulfed by sin. I'm talking about your part needs to be heavy in prayer. You have to pray. I know this is an act of the spirit because gentleness happens to be a fruit of the spirit. My son defines gentleness as caring for someone with a little more kindness, effort, and patience. And I'm speaking to some folks who are still on the fence about Jesus. You may have some measure of gentleness without knowing Jesus. But the delicate, careful obedience you need to restore someone deep in sin only comes as a fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because our propensity as human beings is not toward gentleness. I'll speak for me, okay? I don't desire gentleness. I desire to live my best life at any cost. I don't desire gentleness. I desire revenge. I don't desire gentleness. I desire that you understand my truth. I need you to understand how bad you made me feel and I need to punctuate it so that you don't forget. Okay? But gentleness, mm, that takes courage and strength. To be gentle is to be vulnerable. Instead of that all caps text message with four letter words. Instead of a goon squad. Okay, and for those of you who don't know what a goon squad is, that's a group of people you can call no matter time, the, uh, the, the day or the night or the, the circumstance, but you give them a call and they like, where, where, where you at? I'm coming right now. And, and there are a group of people that are interested in intimidating anyone you need them to. So instead of calling the goon squad, okay, I'll be honest, it wasn't too long ago that I was the whole goon squad. Do you understand me? The whole, it, it's usually a group, right? Four or five people. I was like, you don't need four or five. You only need Asia. Huh? All you need is one. Listen, instead of that passive aggressive email, instead of those backward compliments, we employ gentleness. Gentleness is sharing how your actions hurt me. Or maybe 
hurt somebody around, right? This gentleness that you exercise in your own personal relationships, that vulnerability is what it takes to restore someone who has been in sin. That can only come from the security of knowing that whatever you lose in the offering of gentleness, the Lord will restore for you. The verse goes on to say in the Amplified, make sure that you do this correction, uh, this bearing of uh, a burden, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness. Why? Considering you might also be tempted. You do know you can be tempted, right? Huh? We used to get extra excited when the song came on. I won't go back. Can't go back to the way it used to be before your presence came and changed me, Jesus. But truthfully, we all know we're only just a stone's throw away from the wretchedness Jesus brought us out of. Paul, one of the fathers of ministry, said, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching, straining forward to those things which are behind, I press, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high call. He says, forgetting, reaching. I'm emphasizing the ing because the English teacher in me needs you to understand that that is the present progressive, meaning it's happening now and it continues into the future. I need you to know, my brother and my sister, you have not arrived. No matter how many sermons you have preached, how many outreach bags you have packed, mission trips you have been on, how many children you have saved from the mean teacher down the hall, you are still in process. This life that we lead in Christ is a high call. It is a call to sacrifice with grace. It's a call to abstinence with joy. It's a call to patience with hope. And there is no one that I know that has walked this tightrope with at least a wobble. So as we see a brother or a sister engulfed in sin, it is our duty to restore them with gentleness and humility because we remember when we too could have fallen, but instead of falling, we only wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, baby. Amen? That's a heart check. The scripture reminds us we can be tempted no matter who we are. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The New Living Translation says, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The Amplified Version adds this to clarify. That is the law of Christian life. The law of Christian life. Like you're talking in circles, Asia, what is that? It's how Jesus loved. How'd he love without regard to himself? He loved so completely that he sacrificed his home, he sacrificed his livelihood, he sacrificed his social status, and we know he sacrificed his life for us. 
for the decimation of the hold of sin on us. He loved selflessly. Are we predisposed to selflessness? Nope. I remember when Pastor Kerry said this a couple of years ago, and it really stuck with me. He said, you remember Lego my ego? He said, um, we are so selfish that we won't share a frozen toaster waffle. They are little breakfast-shaped rocks that taste like paper smells. We won't even share that. We can't be like, if you want this this bad, you got to be hungry. You can have this, dude. Right? That shows our human capacity for selflessness. No amount of syrup makes that taste good. But that selflessness that Jesus had, that's our example. This is why it is an imperative of the Christian to bear the burden of one another. Christ is the example. We follow his lead. We do what he did. That's the heart of Christianity. If we suffer in our bearing of others' burdens, we count ourselves blessed. Finally, we get it. We get the cross. Because ultimately, wasn't he wounded for our sin? Wasn't he bruised for our sloppy drunk moments? Whipped for that nasty thought we had about somebody else? Spat on for when we smiled at somebody else's misfortune? He bore our burdens, past, present, and future. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who um, was a great theologian and a great pastor, he says, the Christian, however, must bear the burden of a brother. He must suffer and endure the brother. It is only when he is a burden that another person is really a brother and not merely an object to be manipulated. The burden of men was so heavy for God himself that he had to endure the cross. God verily bore the burden of men in the body of Jesus Christ, but he bore them as a mother carries a child, as a shepherd enfolds the lost lamb that has been found. It was the law of Christ that was fulfilled in the cross, and Christians must share in that law. Verse 3, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, there is a list of things that you can do to ensure you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look closely, you will find your own reflection. You never got drunk, never. You never manipulated somebody for your own purposes. You know that swindling and that's in that list. You never did something sexually immoral, never. You never grabbed more than your fair share, leaving somebody else out. You know that's greed and that's in that list, right? Never. You and I are no better than anybody 
else. We can all see ourselves in that list in 1 Corinthians. So I implore you, I beg you, Church of Jesus Christ, watch where you point your finger in sin. Here's the kicker. Shouldn't that bind us, right, when we, when we see that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Right? Shouldn't that cause us to unite in recognition of our shared condition? Right? Shouldn't that cause us to want to pray more for one another? Shouldn't it cause us to want to encourage one another or rejoice and breakthrough for one another? There is a story in the Bible about uh, Jesus and his disciples. They had been uh, um, out while Jesus was teaching and preaching and uh, healing all day. So they get to this uh, uh, lake and uh, there's a boat and Jesus says, come on, y'all. We about to go over to the other side. And they say, okay. So everybody gets into the boat, right? Jesus, who's been, it's hot. It's hot. He's been teaching all day. He's been healing people. He gets in the bottom of the boat, and Jesus takes a nap. Let us learn. Take a nap. Amen. Jesus gets in the bottom of the boat, and he takes a nap. Okay, so they're out in the middle of this lake, and the storm comes raging, and it rocks the boat. This is my sanctified imagination. It rocks the boat, and they're crying out to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, trying to wake him up. Jesus, do you want this storm to overtake us and kill us? And Jesus gets up, and he calms the storm, and he calms the waves, like Jesus does. Shouldn't our understanding uh, that we're all in the same boat, headed into the same storm with the same Jesus in the bottom ready to rescue us, shouldn't that unite us? Verse 4 says, but let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. This work is dangerous family the brokenness of our hearts is revealed to us when we begin to bear someone else's burdens let me share the old stuff we got over gets revealed when we start to bear the burdens of another the abuse of childhood gets revealed when we aim to restore a brother or a sister caught in pornography our abandonment issues get revealed when we start praying about someone delivered from adultery. So what do we do, right? We can't give up the work that we've done, right? The work that we're doing in our efforts to restore each other. We've got to do our own work. When you don't, that's the stuff of judgment. You forget what you've been through who you were when he showed you that new mercy that one morning. There are so many cautions in this scripture about getting caught up in your own sin because we have to do our own work first. Now, that doesn't give us the license to live a selfish life of perpetually getting myself together, amen? You have to find that after the therapy and after the fasting and after the praying and after the 12-step programs and after the celebrate recovery and after the repentance and after the apologies that that's where you find you've got a testimony. 
That means we've got to stop hiding behind the pretense of our Sunday best and smile and pretend that we've married, got it together. We had the kids always had it together and always will have it together. If we think about it, those are ugly names for kids anyway, amen. We come to God with excuses about why we can't participate in the restoration of others. I don't know enough scripture. They won't listen to me because I used to do that or I used to do this. Who am I to be a part of that process? Well, this is what Christians are called to do. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So I need to tell you today, you are called, you are justified, just if I never sinned, and glorified. There are no other qualifications for this job. This testimony that you have, that's the glory. Amen? We come trying to bear the weight of someone else's burden with the wrong equipment. We come with inflated egos, superiority, with a can-do attitude, with empty platitudes, but that's the wrong uniform for the job. We got to come with a heart that has done the hard work, the work of introspection, the deep dives into our own sinfulness. So instead of coming to bear one another's burdens with an attitude, we need to come with honesty. We need to come suited with a testimony. God knows that's hard work. And some of us have already disqualified ourselves. I'm not strong enough, people might say. But can I tell you something? You don't have to strengthen yourself. Isaiah 51 says, the Lord will guide you always and strengthen you. So bring your confusion to the cross. Bring your suicide attempts to the cross. Bring your food addictions to the cross. Bring your obsession with money to the cross. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So maybe you don't have the kind of sordid past that I have. And maybe your testimony is just beginning to form. But when I think of the goodness of God and all that he's done for me, when I think of the heavy weight of my sins, that after I have prayed, and after I have cried, my transformation has always been in his hands. All I have to do is trust him. Trust that he who has begun a good work in me will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That means all I have to do is to be a vessel of the good work being done on the inside of me. The overcoming that I've got to do in my soul is already finished in Jesus' name. So you don't have to be scared. You can do the work. In order to bear one another's burdens, you've got to do your own work. Verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load. Every single one of us has a load. We've got a weight, a heaviness, an idol, something we're not willing to give to God. There is none that will escape the burden on this earth. There is no profession, there is no position that will allow us to bypass this. 
There's no status and no certification. There's no responsibility or relationship that will allow us to escape. We all got a load to carry. God knew this was something he would ask us to do. And he's given us compassion and he's given us the Holy Spirit who gives us gentleness. He gives us each other to bear the burdens alongside each other. And bearing the burdens of one another is so much more than we think. It's more than pointing out the sin of a brother or a sister. It's a commitment to the recognition and rooting out of our own sins. And the giving permission to another brother or sister to point that out in us. It's a dedication, a declaration that nothing will get in the way of knowing what God can be to me. Not the threat of shame. Nothing will keep me from knowing the fullness of God's power working in me and on me. This unifies us in our humility and our humanity. One of the first steps in salvation is recognition of that humanity that you are not God and that you need saving. That there are ugly places in your soul that only a God who loves you, who knew you before you were uh, formed in your mother's womb can be trusted to transform all of that stuff we got into beauty. Only a God who came down to our level and suffered like us can do that. A recognition you don't have the power on your own to right your own wrongs. You got stuff you need healed. That was a declaration that I know I needed to make when I came to Christ. And there is no shame in that when we admit that to Jesus. With him, vulnerability is beauty. With him, vulnerability is strength. We only need to believe that he'll heal us. If you recognize, yeah, I'm not God. I do have stuff I need healed. And I can't do that on my own. My invitation to you today is to try God. Taste and see that he is good. See how he reveals his power to heal in you personally. If that's you, we want to give you an opportunity to tell God that, that you believe in him, that you believe that he can heal what's going on on the inside, that you want him to be the one that leads your life. If you want to begin that relationship with him, we want to help you do that today. The Bible says that anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, his authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, 
you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, citadeloffaith.org. That simply spells C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith. Org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.